0: You notice something different about Liz? No cane. Amen. What's this world coming to? Grade school students arrested by the police because they planned together to do something to their teacher. They carried a steak knife. Handcuffs, crystal paperweight to hit over the head each one had an assignment to do some were to cover the windows so people couldn't see in some were to watch the doors while they punished and the only reason why they were going to punish the teacher was because she punished a child a day before for standing up in a chair in the classroom what's this world coming to? the Olympic torch being carried through the cities and people were wanting to protest against the treatment of the Chinese against the Tibetans. And so they began to try to grab a hold of that Olympic torch. In the, the uh, attempts, they were battling out. And someone says, why are you using so much force trying to protest a country using force against other people. It doesn't make any sense. What's this world coming to? Seems like everyone's angry about something. We, we hear on the news about the two Democratic candidates exchanging pretty harsh words against each other. We hear about the 400 and some children in Texas that were taken and taken into custody, and a lot of them were, were uh, abused, forcibly abused by their parents uh, in their homes. What's this world coming to? Now you've got to admit that there are times that you and I have lost control and we've gotten angry at someone. Haven't you? Boy, don't see anyone that wants to admit it. Okay, okay. We've all gotten that that far, and sometimes we apologize for it, sometimes we don't. This thing of anger is, is really something that can plague us, And uh, it's often a tool that is used to gain control over a situation or over a person that you feel out of control. By the way, using the silent treatment, I know some of you, that stems from anger as well too and the need to gain control. You get angry at the person and instead of lashing out like they do, I'm not going to talk to them, maybe even for days. I'll teach them. Someone told me, says, I don't get angry, I just get even. We do that quite often. The best way to figure out why we tend to get out of control is by using the acronym A-H-E-N. A H E N. N is in Nancy. We don't have to worry about the A part, the anger, that just comes natural. But if you stop and think, after that explosion that you used to gain control, it's also used to cover up the next letter, which is the H, which is hurt we feel hurt because of something that was said or something that was done. And if you take a peek under that hurt, you will see the letter E, which is expectation. I expected this to happen, but it didn't. And it makes me feel like I'm out of control. But if you look really under the expectation that has been broken, hidden there is the end, which is need. There was something that I needed, and I didn't get it. A-H-E-N. But many of us, we just hit the anger part, and we really don't look for the need. What was it that I needed That was not met. Let's look at an example. Take your Bible and turn to Genesis chapter 4, if you would. Genesis chapter 4, we're going to start with verse 3. Here's a story. You're familiar with it. Genesis chapter 4 and verse 3. And in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. Abel, that's Cain's brother, also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat. And the Lord respected Abel and his offering, but he did not respect Cain and his offering. And Cain was very... Angry. And his countenance fell, his countenance changed. So the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? And why is your countenance fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin lies at the door. And its desire is for you. But you should rule over it. Now Cain talked with Abel, his brother, and it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel, his brother, and killed him. It said very clearly that Cain was angry. Very angry. So angry his countenance Changed. You ever look to yourself in a mirror when you've gotten angry? Look how different you look than when you're feeling good. He was very angry. We could admit that. We can see the anger that was there. But what about his hurt? What was his hurt? It was his feeling of rejection that the Lord didn't accept his offering. Accepted his brothers, but didn't accept his. What did he expect? He expected the praises to come from God, like came to his his brother Abel. He wanted that acceptance of his sacrifice. He wanted praise for his accomplishment. Because working with fruits and vegetables was his greatest talent. And surely God would be pleased with what he does best. What did he need? I believe he needed to, first of all, he was looking, needed acceptance. But I think he was also needed to understand the importance of following God's will instead of following his own will. He needed an unselfish heart, but it was not there. By the way, who was he really angry at? He was angry at God, but he killed his brother. He took his anger out on someone else, not the person he's angry at. You ever gotten angry at your employer? And then you come home and take it out on your spouse and your kids? Was it their fault? No. But it's easier to take it out on them than it is to take it out on your boss because your boss might fire you. Anger. Anger is used and illustrated quite a few times in the Bible. In fact, I've I kind of gone through anger. I, I saw four types. There's probably more, but the, the four types of anger that seems to be dealt with quite often. First, there is sudden anger. Cain suddenly became angry at God for accepting his brother's sacrifice and Not his own sacrifice. But he took his anger out on his brother by killing him. Sudden anger sometimes makes you react before you ever had time to think. It comes on so fast. And you say things that you really don't mean, but it just automatically comes out. Or you will do things. Take a look, if you would, at Proverbs chapter 14. Proverbs 14 and verse 17 Proverbs 14 and verse 17. Solomon knew he says, "A quick-tempered man acts foolishly, and a man of wicked attention intentions is hated A quick." Tempered man, sudden anger. When he acts, he does things very foolish. Things that they would normally not do. When that temper flares up, it causes that person to really look stupid. Let's put it that way. We'll say something that will hurt another person's feelings. We punched someone or something. I went one time in to visit a church member at his home. You see, his, he and his family, not here, different state. And as I was going from their front door into their living room, all through the hallway and through all the living room were big holes and walls. And I said... What's the big holes? And the wife said, kind of hung her head and said, when my husband suddenly gets angry, he puts his fist through the wall. Must have been angry a lot. There were a lot of holes that I saw. What was it like in a bedroom or down some other hallway or some other place, some other rooms? We do things that are very foolish. We don't think. We just react. We don't even think that it, that it will hurt anyone. If I punch you in the wall, it won't, it won't hurt anyone except myself. What about the fear that the children have to live with? What about the fear that the spouse has to live with? And you can't say, well, the devil made me do it. Because you choose to do things your own way. We have problems. Maybe some of you have had children who have married someone. Or maybe you have had a spouse who is a very angry person. And suddenly flares up and you tiptoe so quietly around the house. You try to make everything so perfect. And yet their temper goes wham! You never know when it's going to come, when it's going to hit, or what the reaction's going to be, or what's going to happen. Anger. What can you do about a quick temper? You've got to admit that you've got a problem. That's the hardest part for some of these, these uh uh, abusive spouses to admit that they even have a problem they don't even want to say that they have a problem with anger they don't want to say they lose their temper or they want to put the blame on the spouse or on someone else but you have to admit that you have the problem you don't justify it you can't justify it you can't say that it won't hurt anyone you can't come up with any excuses you have to say that you have a problem and confess that problem, especially to God, and ask for, him, for His help. Claim the promise of the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Take a look at Galatians chapter five. Galatians chapter five. Verses 22 and 23. Galatians 5: 22 and 23. Paul is talking, he's writing to the Galatian church, and he's telling them about the fruit of the Spirit. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. If I lose control... In my family, with sudden anger, am I being led by the Holy Spirit? <laughs> so then who's leading me? It's the devil. And so I've got to come to the God who has the solution, who has the power to overcome that anger, to come to Him and to admit, I have a problem, and what I need to learn is self-control. And that Spirit of God can change any person who lives a life out of control to a person who can be in control. The second anger I discovered is what I call sinful anger. Take a look at Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5 verses 21 and 22. Matthew chapter 5, 21 and 22. Jesus is speaking. This is a sermon on the mount. And Jesus says, You have heard that it was said to those of old, You should not murder, and whoever murders will be in danger of the judgment. But I say to you, Whoever is angry with his brother, without a cause, shall he be in danger of the judgment. And whoever says to the brother Reka," shall be in danger of the council. But whoever says, you fool, shall be in danger of hellfire. This passage tells us some things about anger that should help us to realize that when our Anger is sinful and when it isn't. Notice first of all it says that anyone who is angry with his brother. Now if you're a brother or sister to someone it indicates that you're a member of the same family. Whether a domestic family or it could even be the family of God or it could be even your work family. We ought to be lifting each other up and supporting and helping each other. We should spend our time being not being angry at each other, but helping each other out. It also says about being angry at your brother without a cause. If we're angry and we don't have a legitimate reason for being angry, then this tells us that our anger that our anger is sinful. When I sit there and take things out on my wife when it isn't her fault, that's sin. I'm making her to be the brunt of whatever problem where I feel out of control. If you're angry at your brother, if you're angry at your spouse, it indicates that you're focusing your anger on a person. We should never focus our anger on people, but rather on the sins that they commit. Take a look at Matthew again, Matthew 5, Jesus' teaching, beginning with verse 43. You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven, for he makes his son rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust." What it's saying here is, if someone's making you mad, if someone's making you angry, don't lash out at them, but pray for them. Do good to them. Do just the opposite. Remember we said anger is when you feel out of control? When they're doing something at me, If I'm lashing out at them then because of what they're doing to me, that means I'm feeling out of control. But when I turn the tables and I do the unexpected to them, when I love them, when I pray for them, when I do just the opposite of what they're expecting, guess who's out of control now? They are. and so jesus says you know if someone is doing something to you love them and pray for them jesus was never angry at people but he was angry at their sins so look beyond the person we must love the person but we hate their sin and help by turning their sin over in prayer to the God who can help them where you can't. The third anger I discovered was, many of us fall into this one, the area of revenge. It's a form of anger. I want what they deserve. I want them to suffer like they have made me suffer. Take a look at Romans chapter twelve. Romans chapter twelve. Sure quiet in here. Are you afraid of making me angry? Romans chapter twelve and verse nineteen says, Beloved, do not avenge yourself. But rather give place to wrath, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. If there is to be revenge, if there is to be anger and to punish someone, it's not to come from you, it's to come from God. Let me tell you, he can punish someone far worse than I can. but you know what what else that means if I really love them like God wants me to love them I must be willing to accept the mercy that God might extend to them God can change their hearts God can take the situation and make them a better person prepared for heaven but I gotta be careful Now, to give the example you remember when we studied Jonah and Jonah was asked to go into Nineveh do you know the Ninevites were were great enemies against Jonah and his people they hated them just as much as today that the Jews and the Arabs hate each other it's very strong and Jonah's job was to go in and preach the gospel in the city. And if they didn't change, if they didn't follow after God, then the fires would come down like on Sodom and Gomorrah and God would punish them. But they changed. But Jonah's heart hadn't changed. And he wanted to sit on the hilltop and he really wanted to see them burn. They deserve every bit of it, he was thinking. But God didn't punish them. And guess what happened to Jonah? He got angry at God. I knew you wasn't going to do it. Revenge is terrible. Trying to seek revenge on someone to get even with them, is wrong. If they are to be punished, like I said, the Lord is going to cause far greater harm than you and I could ever do. And then the last one is stubborn anger. This is an anger that just stays in your, well, back in Kansas, we says stays in your craw for the rest of your life it just lingers there hour after hour and smolders day after day after day we think about it when we get up in the morning we think about it when we go to bed at night and all the times in between it's the type of thing that just lingers there and anything can trigger that memory and and we just seem to go out of control it just lingers there maybe something that happened to us when we were a child and it just keeps in us and goes right on through and affects everything about us in every way of our life when we used to be happy when we were young we are now miserable because we think about it and we can't get it out of our minds and we can explode and people around us are saying, what's the matter? And it isn't because of something that happened today, it's because it brought up a memory that happened a long time ago. It is that, mem- that, that anger that just keeps going on and on and on. Take a look at Ephesians chapter 4, verses 26 and 27. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 26 and 27. It says, Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil. Let's say that you're carrying a chip on your shoulder. Maybe from something that happened at work or something that's happened a long time ago. Just waiting for someone to knock it off. And you come home and your spouse says or does something you don't particularly appreciate. And you explode with a tirade of words that would be just unbelievable. And both you and your spouse are hurt and you're both angry but you're determined to get your way and you're not going to let a let let them ever to forget what has happened you go to bed but you can't go to sleep because of what happened earlier that day you make sure that you're not going to touch each other Or say anything to each other, let alone praying with each other before you go to bed. Do you realize what has happened? The Bible says that you've opened the door for the old devil himself to come in. And the longer you take of that smoldering anger and you keep going and you don't do anything about it, the longer the hurt stays in and it's harder to get rid of. Do you know what they say in counseling? For every 24 hours that you allow this anger to smolder and to keep on going, for every 24 hours, it takes 48 hours to get rid of it. Do you see how long it takes to get rid of it if you've been smoldering for 35 years? The Bible gives good advice. Don't let the sun go down on that anger. Don't make it a permanent part of your brain that affects you the rest of your life. Deal with it before you go to bed. Apologize if you need to apologize. Pray if you need to pray. Admit that you've got the anger if you need to admit it. But don't let it keep going day after day or the devil himself has total control over you. You know what Satan starts to do when he starts to get that that toehold and you keep that anger smoldering? Ephesians 4, verses 30 and 31. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. Look what it starts to affect your, your spiritual life. By whom you were sealed for the day of redemption, let all bitterness... Now this is what starts to take place. Bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, evil speaking, let it be put away with all malice. What this is saying is is that anger begins to, to get worse and worse and worse. It does not get better over time if it's not dealt with. It gets worse. It controls you. It controls your thoughts. It controls your actions. It controls your relationship with your family. It controls your, your working habits. It takes over your life. That's what the devil wants. And it totally ruins your spiritual life. You can't afford to allow that to take place. Look at verse 32. Paul says, Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. Before the sun goes down, start seeking forgiveness. Or it's going to take a longer period of time before that forgiveness can come and you come back to a state of happiness. And the longer you wait the longer it takes control. Four kinds of anger. Don't let the devil control you by your anger. Confess your anger to God. And remember, if you confess your anger, that God is faithful and just to forgive you of your anger and to cleanse you from what's within that causes it. There's a story that took place in Huntington Beach, California. Good old Orange County. They don't get angry there. In fact, you might be, when I share this story, you might be thinking, why in the world is he bringing this up on a sermon on anger? But listen to this Steve Tran closed the door of his apartment. He had seen about five or six cockroaches in his apartment. And so he was going to kill them. So he went and he had always heard that for every cockroach you see in your house or apartment, there's a thousand others that are hiding someplace else that you can't see. So he knew with four or five, there must be 5,000 more in his apartment. So he said, I'm going to get rid of those pesky things. They make me angry. So he goes to the store and he buys, we've done this, buys the, the, the little insecticide bombs that you push the thing down and it squirts out and then you've got to run out and stay out for a while while it kills it. Well, he says, I'm going to make sure those pesky things are dead. So he bought 25 bombs. Closed the door and before he could get out, Very far from his apartment, there was a massive explosion from the pilot light on his water heater that blew the screen door of his apartment clear across the street on the other side, blew out all the windows, caused over $10,000 in damage to the entire apartment complex. It not only blew out his windows, but it blew out the windows of his neighbors. It affected every one of them. He forgot to read the label that says do not use more than two of these insecticide bombs at any time within, a, within the home. What's the moral of that story? Leave your bugs alone. The moral of the story is this. Did you know the ser- notice the sermon title? Danger. Anger is one letter short of danger. The moral of the story? Don't blow your screen door off trying to deal with the cockroach irritation in your life. It's not worth it. Sometimes we get overwhelmed with all kinds of feelings, and a lot of times we allow these feelings to all boil down to anger. But what I've got to learn is that in my life, with all these emotions, it is God that can make changes and make a better life for me and for the loved ones and the friends that are around me, if I'm willing to let him make it well with my soul. Hymn number 530. Shall we stand as we sing? Father, we have to admit, we have all been angry many times within our lives. And sometimes we take it out on the ones that we love the most. Even at times we take it out on you. Lord, forgive us. We take our anger now, and we nail it to the cross of Jesus. For he died, that he might turn our anger into love. May we learn now to love even our enemies, is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.